Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 52. On this episode, I have Greg Machinery Pete Peterson. Uh, Greg and I are going to take a look at his uh, quarterly used values index he puts out uh, every quarter and kind of get his opinion on what he sees happening in the auction market and maybe get some uh, feedback from what he hears from other dealerships as he travels the countryside. So, Greg, welcome back to the podcast. Always good to be with you, Casey. Thanks, man. Well, let's uh, let's just jump right into it. So, let's talk about what you saw happen in the in the last quarter of the year. Well, it uh, basically was starting about the first of November, Casey. We saw a definite uptick in the prices paid for, particularly on the good condition used stuff, uh, across quite a wide swath of the market uh, in terms of categories and geography. Again, it was sort of cutting on condition, but the good stuff uh, was selling up. And it, I guess it surprised me just a teeny bit in light of the volume of sales, the number of machinery auctions we saw, which was a, really at a high level, and a lot of late model equipment showing up on farm auctions, some forced sales, you know, lender situations, other retirements. Um, but basically, you know, again, whether it's tractors, combines, um, there were really only a couple soft spots I saw in the market, and they've been issues for a little while. I think planners, particularly the older planners, they were tough. Um, and large tillage was a little bit soft. Not terrible, but overall with the index, I, I do a couple of things, Casey. We we do break it down by category, so that gets pretty specific. And then a, I think one that gets watched sort of closely is what we just call our overall index. So it's basically me trying to take everything all considered into one viewpoint, which is obviously it's difficult. I mean, you're talking about a crappy old post hole digger and a one-year-old sprayer. So, right. but anyway, I do a one to ten rating scale, and we jumped up from 6.5 to 6.7 in the fourth quarter. And for perspective on that index, I when I started it doing the report. Back in 2011, I just put 6.0 was what I said was stable or normal use value. So I think the, one of the things here is that, you know, we're comparing back here, and obviously times are difficult. You know, stuff for farmers, profit, challenge dealers, it's pressure. But I think, you know, we felt we're coming off of that six-year all-time high, basically. So you look at our index rating was up in that nine range from end of 07 to early 13. Then we felt like a rock and it kind of stable the last leveled off the last two years. Yeah. So to your point about planners, I, I would agree with you totally on that. The the older planner stuff is, is really becoming a hard thing to not necessarily sell, but it sells cheap. You know what I mean? It's, it's what you have there is selling cheap and kind of to your point, with the auction is the last big auction, you know, dumping ground that we had here in what, 14, 20, you know, uh, coming out of 13 into 14 and off through 15 and most of 16 too. But there was a lot of planters on that, on those auctions and nobody really bought any new planters in between. So now the guys are looking for that late model, low hour stuff with the dealerships you talk to and, 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 and your travel and stuff. Do you have many of them that are talking about, you know, I'm going to take some of these older planters and, and retrofit them with uh, whether it be a precision planning uh, system or uh, maybe a, like a John Deere retrofit kit or something like that. I mean, do you hear a lot of talk about that? 
Yeah, there's definitely chatter about it. Um, it, it almost feels to me, again, when we go on location and we're interviewing dealers and just visiting with them, that, that chatter on what you just described, retrofitting, the older ones versus interest from the farmers and the new planners, as I just listen to dealers talk, it almost seems like there's more interest in the new planner. And then obviously there's difficult decisions with, you know, making the work and if they're trying to sell theirs or trade it in and that whole issue. But but definitely there is talk about retrofitting for sure. And when I'm out at auctions, a lot of times, you know, there you're with two to 400 or 500 or more farmers just standing around for a day. And then definitely you do hear a lot of that chatter. So I think if you look at our index rating on the planner category, it's lower. It's like mid-five range, so it's actually under that six level. But again, if I could break it apart into older and newer planters, what we're seeing is just like you said, that if you put a 15-year-old... 24-year-old planner at auction, you can guess what's going to happen. It's just not going to sell for much. And those prices are falling. So I have to account for that and, the, and at the same time in the index account for what we're seeing with the one- and two-year-old planners. So what I found interesting in the fourth quarter, historic, historically last like three years, in fourth quarter we all know is a, is a good time to sell. Farmers are conditioned to buy at the end of the year, even Strangely enough, now when there's not as much money in the system, they're just, they're just, it's been so long they're trained to think that way. But it used to be once about, we got about December 16th. The last two weeks of December always felt to me a little softer than November in the first half of December. But this last year in 17, we, we saw it remain strong all through December. And so even there were two auctions on December 29th, two farm auctions. One was in Northwest Ohio. One was in Northeast South Dakota. The South Dakota sale was by Steffes Group, and that had a lot of big late model equipment. In fact, two 2016 DB66 36-row 22-inch planters, and they were loaded. So, you know, I always think when you're selling multiples, like the Sinclair auction, whatever that was, December 11th or something? I think that's right, yeah. In Iowa, but... When you sell heavy multiples, that's tough. But those DB66s, I thought sold pretty good. 224 and 220, again, hard cash consideration. So, And the Ohio sale on the same day, December 29th, was very strong from the tractors right through the lineup. So, it, again, it, it would surprise me given the volume of sales, but I guess that's one thing with the auction prices that it doesn't really matter if we think they're guy you know paid too much or little it's just this is what it is he paid what he paid 224 i thought that was a pretty strong price so the retirement sales are, are one of those i watched those pretty close because that's a pretty good gauge of what the retail marketplace is right so right you know, with your new website you've had out for a while now you, you've got a lot of dealer listings on there one thing that I've noticed trend-wise here and, and coming through the first part of the year, and you, you tell me what, what you see happening, but I've watched a lot of auctions, especially retirement sales, that have brought, and I'll give you a good example. I watched one the other day with a 2015 612C Cornhead in it. It sold for 49000 bucks. and it was somewhere in Illinois. Um, a dealer close by there within a couple hundred miles of that location had three of them 
exact same thing. And those three were priced $4,000 less than what that sold for, the one sold for on the auction. So, you know, you go in there and you do some negotiation and you step on the seller a little bit. You're probably going to get it for, you know, another five grand off that price pretty easy. So you're, you're almost $10,000 cheaper than what you saw at the, at the auction. Are you seeing that yep. as a trend? I'm watching that pretty close. And to me, it feels like some of the stuff that I have a hard time selling, it's a good quality stuff. Been through the shop, you know, everything's ready to go to field type stuff. Yeah. It's bringing the same price. Well, you're, as, as usual, you're right on it, Casey. It, it's a fact. And, you know, some people call it auction fever. Uh, but really, I think there's a, a bigger point here. And you're absolutely correct. And, you know, we could. there's so many examples in the fourth quarter. The one sale that I wrote about a lot was the November 21st sale for Wolf Farms in Homer, Illinois. And if you looked at the sale belt and the equipment, and it was almost all one- and two-year-old stuff. That was a red sale. But, you know, the hard cash numbers made you, I mean, even made me sitting here going, well, what the heck? I mean, 322000 for a 2016 8240 with 217 separator hours. And I did just what you did. You can go into the our 100,000 listings for you guys and other dealers around North America. And you look and you go, well, geez, that's unbelievable. I just paid that at auction. Now, if you pull back from this, this, what this gets at is what one thing that would be true for the 28 plus years I've been doing this, compiling these auction prices. And that would be you take any make and model and you look at the auction price data on it. And we've I've always noted the type of auction it sold at. Was it consignment? Was it farm auction? Was it, and of course, online's come in. Now, farm auctions, and particularly retirement or estate sales, those have always performed the highest. And we all in the industry, whether you're a dealer, farmer, whatever, you know this in your gut. It's like, well, if you're a farmer out around Hutchinson, Kansas, and everybody likes you, you're a good guy, and you're retiring. Well, everybody likes Mr. Smith, and he took great care of his equipment. How does that stuff sell? It's always been a premium, and now it's becoming more of a premium. And so what I'm intrigued by is flipping this. And you, you know, this is a truth. Data points is true. So how is a dealer or a private seller outside of an auction, how can you achieve that same result? And the way you do it, you have to find a way to personalize not just the item you're selling but the seller. And I think this is where dealers uh, are positioned to do this because you as a dealer, your customers know, love, and trust you. Even if they wouldn't tell you, they do. And you know, it's just a farmer-dealer relationship. Right. They have to, you need your farmer to be there and be strong, and he absolutely needs you as a dealer to be strong. So when you're taking in things on trade, like you mentioned those 612 C's, that that dealer in Illinois had three of them. You know, and and maybe this is naive on my part because I'm not a dealer. My family has been in the business forever, and maybe it's just easy for me to say. And if if this is the case, I apologize. But what I would do is, you know, when you take that thing on trade from particularly your favorite customer, don't just get pictures. I mean, that's, that's just not good enough anymore. Personalize it. Get a video clip of that farmer Joe either in your dealership or better yet on his farm standing next to that 612C. <clears throat> and we all have, we all have iPhones that shoot video good enough to use on our TV show. And we do <clears throat> get a video testimonial 
Farmer Joe standing by the 612C and just say, hey, hey Bob, when did you buy this from us? Well, two years ago. And it sounds stupid, but when you interject the farmer into the listing, now you're starting to personalize it. And one of the things I've heard dealers say, just you know, on your point, that these nice farm retirement auctions, that's the new retail price. And that is an accurate statement. So our goal on the equipment dealer side, or if you're selling private, we all want to sell every piece for as much as we can. Well, I mean, that's such a base level goal of the business. I think we sometimes don't sit and think about how the hell, we, what else can we do different to do that? And we have these examples staring us right in the face right. of these farmer Joe retirement sales. So there's no added cost to get video on the guy's farm or when he comes into the dealership. In fact, I look at it as a way to even deepen the relationship with your with your best customers. Now, you're in you're in Nebraska, you're a Midwest guy, I'm a Minnesota guy, and you know your customers and you know they probably wouldn't want to be on camera, camera shy. But there's a way you can flip this and you have to think about it in terms of honoring them. And the machinery, the farmer is very, like, that guy that sold that 612C for 49K, he must have took really good care of it, right? Right. So you just get him on camera saying, Bob, you know, how did how'd you take care of this? And now you're talking about farmer pride. And the other weird thing is when you put out a video clip like that, which, by the way, would be awesome for your social media, for your dealership, if you're, you know, in all dealerships, you guys are all swamped and busy, and it's easy to think, well, how the heck can we do Facebook or Twitter? Or that's how you do it. You honor your customer, and you just get Farmer Joe on there talking about his 8260R that he bought from you guys two years ago, because he loves it, and he'll talk about it. And when you put the video out on your Facebook page, then what happens is his friends and family see it, and even though they wouldn't tell you they like seeing their uncle on video on the internet mm -hmm. and that's with our machinery repeat business i've noticed that with our youtube videos going back 10 years they they like it and all you're doing is honoring them and if it helps you sell it for more money you know this is something we should pursue yeah so i've given that a lot of thought what you just said there about how how are you going to go make sure these machines are personalized to the to the fact that like you said, the the guy traded in or the gal traded it in, whoever it is that's trading that in, they they take exceptional pride in, in how they manage that piece of equipment that why they've had while they've had it, you know. So that, that will sell itself as fast as anything. So um Zach, you know, to your point earlier about, you know, the machinery and, and, and the understanding of the farmer that you traded in from and that stuff. Um, oh, two or three episodes ago, had Zach Heiner on from uh, Sullivan Auction, and we were talking about that 8420, I think is what it was, that sold for 100000 yeah. and you And it actually yeah. got him on because I read your read your post on Facebook about it. But um, sure. that's, that's a great example of that. I mean, here's a... 20 plus year old or something old machine and you know went out to the where the farmer was took a look at his place you can see that the machine was was in decent shape good decent shape good mechanical shape um 
you know, you got the story behind it, had all the work order history to go with it. I mean, there's so many things that happened there. And it was, it was a one-off machine, no doubt about it. But yep. telling that story, I think, is what, what sold it for the money that it went for. Well, and this is, you know, I've known for a number of years, Casey, when we, you know, and again, Sullivan's and Zach in particular, you know, he, he reached out before the sale. And again, see, the auctioneers are in the same boat you guys are as dealers. You're, you're swamped. And it's a pain in the ass to go shoot a little video standing by the boat. It's too important not to. So Zach and Sullivan, they get it. So all he did was he just went and stood by the tractor like five days out from the auction, and he just talked to me into the cell phone. Someone filmed him, and Zach just said, hey, Pete, check this out. We got this coming up for sale. And this audience we built, they just love farm machinery and stories. And, again, if you can make it a story, I just think there's huge opportunity here. Another example on the wolf sale, November 21st, which, again, that was Sullivan. Now, again, that was a red sale, but their Case IH dealer, Central Illinois Ag, uh, uh, Steve and I think Mike Schmidt there and, and Chad Colby, super smart on social media. They were, you know, as a dealer, you know, you know how so you, one of your best customers is getting out. You know, all his late model equipment is selling in your area. Okay, so you could look at that and go, oh, this stinks, you know. Why would I try and publicize that? But here's the farmer-dealer relationship. They wanted to help Jeremy. And so the dealer is on Twitter and tagging me a week out saying, wow, look at all this great equipment on this sale, you know, coming up on Thursday. And yes, you're trying to help the market. You want the prices to be strong. You're also, you're just trying to help your customer. And that is noticed big time, not by other people who aren't your current customers. But again, what is the goal of your dealership or an auction company or whatever? You want more customers. So if you can just put that out, particularly social media, just with a good positive vibe on it, I mean, I see the return on that effort just being, you know, almost immeasurable. And so when that sale went through the roof, you know, that's a great thing for the Wolf Farms. It was a great thing for Sullivan's. It was it was a great thing for Central Illinois Ag. And here's the other piece that's amazing to me, Casey, is that you could even look at that 8,400 that brought 100,000 bucks, and and you and I could sit or people in the industry, and you could we could sit here and say, well, that's ridiculous. You know, I, I paid way too much for that 100,000 bucks. My experience has been the buyers on these items that have been personalized. They're over the moon happy to have acquired this piece that they were intrigued by. Another example was there was a farm auction in um, St. Edwards, Nebraska. And people will remember this one, but it was December 19th, 2016. And it was a crazy deal. The guy had a John Deere 4055 two wheel drive, only had $200 on it. So, again, it was smart. The auctioneer knew he was sitting on something rare, not an, like you say, a one off. But he reached out and he, he told me about it. Now, I can post a picture of that and say, ooh, look at this, coming up for sale next Tuesday, $200. Now, I, but I know the audience, and you know the audience, farmers, and dealers, we're going to look at that and go, nah, it's been overhauled, whatever. So I asked John Tenney, the auctioneer, I said, John, tell me about the owner. And he said, well, you know, the dude's 82 years old. Unfortunately, he's, he's in the nursing home. And I said, well, would he talk to you? 
And John said, yeah, yeah, he would. He loves his tractors, just like you, just like you know. I mean, farmers love their stuff, right? So I said, go to the nursing home with your iPhone and tell him Machinery Pete needs this and just talk to him and film it. And it's what he did. And he asked them, he, he, I can't remember the dude's name, but he said, hey, Bob, why do you only have $200 on your 40.55? And the farmer, in his humble you know, way, and his frail health, he said, well, he said, I bought it to move snow, but when I got it home, I couldn't, I, I like my 40.20 too much. I couldn't quit using it. Okay, now when he said it that way, game on. Oh, yeah. Now this is real, and he verified it. And that thing sold, it sold $29,750 over the previous record price, 93000 bucks. And again, we can say that's dumb, that's whatever. Guess what? The buyer was happy. The buyer bought it to use it, and they sent me, see, it, it creates this loop. And then the guys who bought it from South Dakota bought it to bale hay with, and they actually send me video of them baling hay. So they just paid this huge premium, and they're happy to do it. But the reason they were, again, when you personalize any asset, you know, it's just, it's worth more money. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, there's there's always a way to make that feel like you're buying a, a one-off piece. And if you, when you do that, you, you absolutely just draw the customers in. Absolutely. Um, I mean, what would you even, uh, I say it worked the other way too. Even if it's like crappy condition stuff, just call it crappy. Oh, if you call it what it is, people appreciate that. Absolutely. Right. So for 21st century or any, you know, dealer, again, it's an opportunity to build deeper relationships with wider, more audience and future customers. And I just, I just think it's a good idea to to go down that road and be real with it. So. Absolutely. So we've gone through the month of January. Now we're into the first couple of days here of February. There have been some pretty strong auctions here the first, first month of the year. Um, what do you think, uh, Kind of give me your opinions on those, and, and where do you think the uh, overall market's headed? Well, I actually, about an hour ago, Casey, I just finished uh, sending off a video for Ag Day on TV that later Monday. And, it, I mean, uh, it was like, that was my topic. It was like, okay, we've talked about how 2017 ended a little higher. Now what's happened in the last month? And basically, if I pull back and look at the data that's come in, Again, I mean, you're on it as much as anybody you know, so the prices have kind of held. Again, good stuff, bringing good money. And what I did is I highlighted a sale Wednesday in Illinois, again, right in the central part of the state, central U.S. Farm retirement sale, I was, again, this was, well, you had a green combine, 96.60, sold well. That was 73000 with 1,900 engine hours on an 05. And they had two MX 230s on the red side. And they came in 69,000, 60,000, the third and fifth highest the last three and a half years. So again, it's good stuff. The prices are holding up. Uh, what I'll be looking at going ahead, Casey, will be, it's always been about St. Patty's Day is when, uh, historically, it, it tends to be November through early March. Use values, auction prices tend to be on the high side. And then what happens in March, you get a lot of the regional big consignment sales, and a lot of them aren't absolute or whatever. And they jam in together on a couple Saturdays there. 
and it just gets too crowded. And you've also taken out all the buyers from November up until that point. So historically, price auction prices get a little bit weaker and then stay a little weaker into the early fall. So we'll see if that happens again. Now, I'm going to flip this on you, Casey. I, 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 uh, one of the things I wrote about in this index, this fourth quarter report, I, I didn't do it lightly, but uh, so I tried to do like a white paper thing. And given this bump up in the fourth quarter we saw, with all the high level of auctions, one of the things that made me do is, again, pull back and say, okay, if this is, and this is truly what's happening now, whenever commodity prices do bump up a little bit, and we all hope it's soon, but I was contending in this index that, particularly given President Trump's tax plan that just passed, with its little provisions doubling Section 179 and the bonus depreciation factor in there. And now we've gone five years with lower sales of new equipment, stretched, whatever, let's say we stretch this out three more years, 320 corner or whatever. The point I was making is whenever that commodity prices go up, I think I know what's going to happen on the auction side. What what would be your take from the where you sit? Well, I don't think it's going to be a gradual ease back into, you know, all of a sudden we're going to like keep trickling in these bigger numbers, you know, slightly up year over year. I'm kind of with you that whenever it does happen, it's going to happen all at once. And, you know, I, I think we probably have till 2020, my opinion, you know, of, of, of kind of the same conditions that we're in, unless, you know, barring, you know, if this drought situation stays the way it is, it could be 2019, you know, but, um, right. I, I'm with you. I mean, I think you're going to see some stuff take off. Um, I'm trying to remember back when that was. Was it 2010, 2011? Somewhere in that time frame. Uh, mm-hmm. Deer couldn't produce the number of row crop tractors that was in, that were in demand, right? They just right. didn't physically have enough factory space to, to produce them all. Um, we were trading back in tractors for 125% of what they paid for them brand new. And right. it didn't matter if it had 300 hours or 1300 hours on it. If it was an IVT or a power shift or a straight front axle or an IV or an ILS front end, it didn't matter. They needed, they wanted a tractor so they wouldn't got it. Yeah. We can see something like availability. Yeah. It's all about availability. Now right. the flip side to that is that there is, there was enough use supply out there to meet that demand. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right now, if that happened today, there would, there's not enough use supply to, to meet that demand. And, and it would, the, yeah, the prices would just skyrocket. I mean, some simple supply and demand, you'd see a huge, just rocket ship take off of the values and it would be wherever they could buy it at. And it would, you know, if I'm farming and I want a new well, tractor, I'm going to send it on the auction and get my price for it. Right. It's, uh, again, I think this tax, the Trump tax plan is so interesting because if you look at our index. So, again, we go quarter by quarter. If you take the overall index rating, and, again, it's 6.7 now. And I, when I, in 2011, when I started doing the report, I actually started and went backwards to 2001. And so you can look at the overall index, and now 13 of the last 15 years in the fourth quarter, use values have gone up. So even the last two years, when you know things aren't the rosiest, use values went up. 
and like you say, with the, with the, with the volume issue, I mean, dealers have worked that down quite a bit. I'm messaging pretty heavily to the farm audience again to, and it's, again, it's counterintuitive, but it's like, I know times are tough, but you really need to talk to your local dealers right now. I mean, using your example before about the three, six, 12 C's that were listed for sale by a dealer under what the one brought at auction. Mm-hmm. And again, what, what just happened with this tax policy change in the index, I wrote that we just put a box of matches next to a little can of gasoline. And it's just a question of when it's going to ignite again, whenever it come out. And it might be five years, two years, five. I don't know, but I know a farmer behavior and a checkbook reality auction price. And it's, uh, we're two years now leveled off with these use values. So again, I'm just trying to message to farmers again, you know, call your local dealer. Now's a great time. If, you know, if you're able to, trade up on that planter or that combine or that tractor and because again at some point the thing is if if you wait until you're comfortable finance you know oh the things are good now well get in line buddy yeah there has been but i i don't know if i if i you know i, I put this out and again i'm trying to look ahead and i understand you know it's obviously not Sales aren't rocketing right now. They're better, a little better. Where dealers are telling us around the country their order books are looking good for January. But I think it's always good to try and look as far ahead as you can to get ahead of the curve if you have reliable data points and analysis to make good decisions. And flying by your gut, you know, it's awesome, but it's, it's just the other part about the index, Casey, that we're seeing which is really fascinating. It's not just the auction prices that went up in the fourth quarter. It's also search traffic data to our machinerypeat.com website. So this would be the hundred, you know, your listings, dealer listings for sale. So even on planners, it's fascinating. We looked and in November and December, 106% increase versus third quarter. Now we'd expect some, but still this is, this is not February, March year. This is November, December and 19% jump over last year, fourth quarter. And it's, uh, and it's up and down the equipment categories. Our large horse tractors, I think, was up. I forget the percentage. It was like 27% in the fourth quarter. Combines were up significant, like 60%. Skid steers up 80%. Search traffic. So now we've got the auction price points ticking up, again, on the good stuff. And we got farmer eyeballs picking up in a big way. So pretty interesting times. Well, a couple of things. One is when kind of back to, to Trump's tax plan, I mean, there, there's a couple of things that guys need to be aware of when they're looking at that. And I'm going to have an accountant on here. And, um, Glenn, uh, Birkbaum from, uh, in Illinois, he's a, he's an accountant in Illinois. But anyway, he, oh, that'd be a great discussion. The, the one thing I'm concerned about when I look at that is, the way that you have to report what you do with, with your machine, with your equipment now and how, how you do that. So like it used to be, you know, it was all based off of your, you pay taxes on any trade difference that was there. Well, now you have whatever trade value they give you. And I'm not an accountant, so I'm going to butcher this. So, but there's basically the, the understanding that I have of it is whatever trade value that you get for a piece of equipment is now considered sales revenue. 
and whatever you do, whatever machine you buy, that full amount goes on the depreciation schedule. And then you can, so you'll be able to basically expense the entire $400,000 combine instead of just your trade difference over here on your depreciation schedule. So it, there's a, there's a bit of a wash, but you're taking in, you might be trading in $250,000 machine and that is now $250,000 worth of, of income, you know? So that's right. guys need to pay attention to that and, and understand what that is. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. It's be a very timely conversation you'll have with your account. I'll have to uh, definitely catch that one and I'll, I'll have to share the link on our social media because you're right. Farmers really need to, get some expertise from the you know accountant accountants on us. I know Paul Neifer, the the tax policy writer for AgWeb, Farm Journal Media just posted a piece on AgWeb.com looking at that was like ten bullet points. And as I was going through there, you know, you know, on section one seventy nine again, doubling, I just <laughs> I, I just too many years of standing at auctions in November and December listening to farmers. And, and saying, I have to buy this. Oh, I need this by the end of the year. Well, if you need it by a certain time, you're going to pay more money for it. And now you've doubled it. Right. So there's that whole thing. And then the, I think they, what they crunch the time, you can write these uh, assets off over from down to what, seven to five? I think that's right. I think so. Yep. So some significant changes. But when I talk to the Wall Street crowd about the index, and the fourth quarter bump, you know, and you know, these are super intelligent folks from around the world, Wall Street and London or whatever. And you, you know, you've dealt with a lot of these people. They call you guys all the time for insight, but I, I can't get through to them enough. The, the, the sentiment about farmer wanting and will doing anything to minimize the tax bite, almost irrationally so. Right. And, you know, our, our farmers get oh, hammered yeah. on, you know, property and everything. But yeah. I, I tell these guys, these analysts, I say, okay, now you don't like to pay taxes, right? You know, you understand it's for the common good and all that. And, you know, it's true. But I said, okay, now, however, you much don't, don't like to pay taxes, you would start at about 100x from there if you took considered Joe Farmer right. across, you know, America. And, and okay, now, now that now start from there and work up and then factor in again. That's why, again, now you've just doubled the section 179. So even though farmers accountants, and this is where they need to talk to them early and, and think about this. This is what your, your upcoming podcast will be perfect. Let's, let's think about this, be intentional. Don't just wait till the end of 18 and then, Again, that's where if you know if the price of corn bumps up towards four bucks, you'd be like, oh, I can't even imagine what would happen then. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it'll be. So yeah, I think. I mean, to your point, I watched an auction of the day down in Texas. Um, mm-hmm. Be implements deal they had down there, and they had a they had a lot of high hour machines that were bringing some pretty pretty tall numbers for what they were. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's money out there right now, and but. And I was I was anxious to watch that one because of the drought situation they're in and the wheat situation. I mean, it's such a heavy wheat area, and it's also a heavy cotton area too. So, you know, haven't planted any cotton yet, so they're not too worried about it. So, right. but but there are more well, issues. Was, uh, problem. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I think the one of the things that that helped the bump at the end of the year. I mean, because we I traveled a lot over the November December. 
in January. And most of the farmers we talked to, you know, you said, well, how how did you come out? And it just was a cascade of, oh, man, it really came in really good. It surprised us. And I think that really helped. But, you know, I was intrigued by it because you were at the Sinclair auction, and we talked about that. But you're... Your take on that I thought was fascinating that it was that it was such a high degree of farmer activity yeah. on that level of late model equipment, and that that in in and of itself I think is pretty telling. But a lot of these guys, you know, they've stretched out their maybe it was every two years they did something. Well, you're five years down the road now. At some point, I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta up you gotta you got to do what you got to do. So I think that's part of the demand for this one and two year old stuff out there. Yeah. I mean, I talked to a dealer the other day um, who had a customer he was working with that bought everything he has on his farm within reason. I mean, everything, all the big purchases he made, combines, tractors, planter, that kind of stuff made it all in 2013 and hasn't bought anything since. So now he's wanting to very, he's ready to do something. And what's driving him, he's driving him to do that is because it, he's got stuff that's got, you know, he might have 1,500 or 1,700 separator hours on his combine by now, and he might have 3,500 or 4,000 hours on his tractors and stuff like that, you know. So they're they're at a point now where they're not comfortable anymore, and they, 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 they realize the risk that they're taking, and they are, like I've said before, they're doing stuff now because they have to, not because they want to. They always want to. Well, here, it's just they have to. Here's the, the thing that I'm interested in was sometime on your podcast, Casey, you should get all of the guys at Purdue that do the, uh, I forget what they call it, it's like a farmer sentiment index. Uh-huh. And our, our youngest daughter went to Purdue Chemical Engineering. I, I know the school is awesome people. That's a great um, thing they put out. And Creighton does one too, like a rural uh, index, they call it. And basically they're, you know, you're you're calling farmers and you're saying, well, how do you, how do you feel for 2018? Are you optimistic? Are you not? And not surprisingly, you know, you can guess how that would read right now. It's a falling index. And I I read that, and, and again, I just told, we just talked about, we came out with our quarterly report, and I said, hmm, these values are up. And so it seems like a disconnect. But again, this is why I've always liked the auction price data point, because it kind of, you know, so the, the 8,400, your tractor that's axle for 100k. We could all sat there before, and, and I would have said, eh, "I think that'll do 92." And some guys would say, eh, "75." And that none of it matters. None of it. Right. It's just the what did he? It brought 100. Okay, and then deal with it. Brought 100k. So I'm reading. Not this is why. What I sometimes throw in a chattered old matter. Right. It matters, but what matters more is what I mean. How many guys are writing you checks? You know, are they are they close to asking price or not? It's the same thing at auction. So it's uh, like you say. I think farmers are, are not wanting to, but having to act on the on the equipment side here of late. Yep, I think you're right. So, well, Greg, I think we've covered it here, man. So, any last thoughts you want to throw out there before we shut it down? No, just a tip of that to you, brother, for for doing what you're doing and stirring the pot conversation wise. You're helping you're helping people. So I love what you're doing, and, and again, thanks for having me on. Well, I appreciate that, Greg. 
Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Greg for being a guest on this episode. Remember, if you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com. Moving Iron LLC now has a website you can visit, movingironllc.com. Here you can find information on the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles for Moving Iron Blog. Throughout the year, there'll be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcasting platform. And if you shop Amazon, please use the Amazon click-through at movingironllc.com. It won't cost you anything, and you'll still have the same experience you're accustomed to while supporting the podcast. You can find the podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.